0: everybody. Welcome to the evolution podcast, where we question what makes our life truly ours. I'm Shereen Jaffer, and I'm very excited to introduce you to some incredible people with fascinating stories. I've got Daria here with me, who is a mindset expert and the founder of the Dream Sprint. We'll learn all about her childhood in Russia, uh, where she was really considered a childhood prodigy, and then talk a little bit more about uh, how where she found herself when she came to America. So, Daria, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks, Shireen. I'm really excited to be one of the first people on the podcast. And it's it's my pleasure to to share my story, especially starting with the childhood, because I honestly think that the childhood is the experience that gives a really good launch to our lives. And yeah. the way we associate ourselves with our childhood, it's also really important because this is where we can either get our power, power from, or get our disempowerment so, from. Yeah, I
0: mean, I I know we talked briefly about your childhood before this podcast episode, um, and it was so interesting to me to hear about how you were brought up and how supportive your parents were, because unfortunately, that's not something that I get to hear from a lot of people. And uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, as you had mentioned in our conversation, your childhood can either empower you um, or, you know, there's, there's a lot of trauma that can be built up that you have to essentially work through later in life um, that shapes a lot of your decisions. So,
1: like it is, you know, there is this saying that it doesn't matter how you bring up your children, they will still have something to tell to their psychotherapists. It doesn't matter what you do; you can be the perfect parent. So, and I think it's it's a part of human nature to have emotional trauma, and this is normal. And you know, nobody's childhood is perfect. It's just what we decide to put attention to, and what we decide kind of like what seed do we decide to grow. So, of course, there were like negative moments in my childhood. Things that I won't, uh, you know, wish my kids to experience. But the things that I choose to pick up is this positive things that literally help me to, to to shape this open and excited and enthusiastic passion for this life in general. So yeah. and well, I know that it. you also had like very um, supportive parents who, you know, encouraged you to go for things.
0: Well, my my child was interesting because I was born actually in Pakistan, um, or Pakistan if you say it with the with the right uh, accent, um, and I was there until seven, and then we moved to America, and unfortunately, my dad was stuck, um, you know, back in the country for about five years because of immigration issues. So I feel like I almost grew up with one parent, and then my dad joined us when I was 13. So for me, it was really interesting to see essentially my mom take this, you know, my brother who was 12 at the time and I was seven, take these two kids in a foreign country. We had no family around us and just raise us. And she was working three jobs. It was her first time really in America. And so I feel like I just had to grow up really quickly. And I I just appreciated my mom so much that... I would like to think I was an easy child, but I did. I did really try hard to not be, you know, um, a kid that took things for granted. I was, I, I saw her struggle, uh, a lot younger and that's definitely shaped obviously who I am today. Um, but yeah, it, it it was, but they were both supportive just in very different ways than I think what most people uh, think of when they think of supportive parents.
1: Yeah, and in, yeah, interesting because for me, like the financial support was not there at all. Like my parents have a you know very humble background, and I started to earn money since I was eight. And mm-hmm. this is, but you know, I've never felt like a need. Of course, we had like food on the table and stuff like that, but nothing extra. And what were
0: you doing when you were eight?
1: <laughs> so you know, Russia is an interesting country because. Russia has free healthcare, free education and free extracurricular activities for kids. So basically, you can uh, raise children with zero cost. And that's why we didn't feel like we lack something because you're going to free school, to free swimming pool, to free sports club, to free singing lessons and everything like that. So that's why I felt always um, that I'm growing and that I'm properly entertained, but without, you know, financial investment. And many families were, were like us. Like it's, it's, it's very popular that people in Russia and in many other countries, you now live kind of like paycheck to paycheck. And this was my reality. But I wanted, I always wanted something more. And I always wanted, you know, to, to buy fancy clothes. This is what kind of like my goal when I was eight year old girl. And I started to do MLM, uh, multi-level marketing things. <laughs> I was selling like cosmetics <laughs> from door to door. Um, and it was so much fun, so I was always, uh, I always used to have my savings, I I think I was pretty much self-sufficient person for as long as I remember myself, I was, you know, because just my parents didn't have money, so that's why I couldn't rely on them in this case, <laughs> but they mm-hmm. were always like supportive of everything that I do in terms of, I could literally uh, tell them everything, like if I was dating a guy, I could tell like and my mom and my father are like, what's going on and how is it going and stuff like that. So I had no like taboo um, questions to discuss. And, you know, grades were not the issue in terms of I was not afraid if I'm like, I don't know, if I'm not studying properly or stuff like that. So and because of that transparency, I think it established a lot of trust, because if you can be honest and you know that if, that you won't be judged, I think it's it's incredibly empowering Um, in terms of, you know, establishing trust between two people.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting to me because obviously one of the reasons I wanted to interview you is despite having, well, not despite, because you had such incredible, incredibly supportive parents, and because you had the environment that empowered you and allowed you to ask questions and allowed you to explore, um, there were a lot of incredible things you were able to do before the age of eighteen. <laughs> I remember uh, you telling me uh, one of your stories. Uh, tell us more. Tell us more about your accomplishments. Uh, you know, during your teenage years.
1: Oh yeah, I uh, my parents like invested a lot of time in me. In terms of if they saw any spark of talent, like even if it was a really tiny spark, they made sure that it grows. And this is how they they caught that I was really kind of like prone to writing poetry. And by the age of eight, yes, it was, I don't know, something, something, something it is about this age. uh, I already had my first poetry book published like on a national level. And wow. it was just a, a grant from, from the government. So, again, no investments from our side, just, you know, uh, passion, enthusiasm, and probably right place, right time. And um, I became this kind of, like, in my region, at least, uh, like the prodigy child, because a lot of, like, mm-hmm. national media started to be interested. And, you know, they always love to cover stories about, like, kids who do stuff. Um, so, and that yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. And I think that goes, again, back to having that environment that empowered you in such a way and uh, parents who allowed you to just explore your creative freedom. Um, But again, you know, most people don't have the childhoods, right? I I feel like I talked to a lot of people that um, unfortunately don't necessarily have that environment, don't even live in uh, a city or a country that invests in their people um, in the same way that, you know, you experienced. Um, but I, I reckon, I, I remember in our earlier conversation, you had said, when you moved to America, uh, something changed. And it's, that to me was so fascinating. And I'm, I'm always interested in and hearing how the culture impacts people when they come from abroad and how they feel about it. So tell us more about that transition from Russia and when you moved here, how old you were, and and what did that feel like?
1: Yes. Oh, that, that was really tough. So I was... It's so interesting because now I remember I was such a different person. Literally, in my world, before I moved to the U.S., I didn't think that mental health is a thing. I didn't think that people can be depressed or you know can be really emotionally down and it's 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 hard to get out of the state until I experienced it on my on my own self wow. so I always deemed myself like lucky. I thought about something the opportunity immediately arises, and stuff like that so and I didn't know any other state, basically. So I was constantly feeling high, <laughs> without <laughs> actually like taking anything. And I even I even uh, didn't drink alcohol, like zero, at all. So I was like supernaturally high from life. And um, so this
0: is you talking about before you move. The, these are the these are the feelings you've experienced since childhood, yes. where everything seems to be. Uh, working out, you have an idea, you find the opportunities. It the universe is essentially working and uh, in your behalf in a way.
1: Yes, and I moved to the United States because of my my husband's job. He's a tech entrepreneur, so um, it was a it was a smart decision to move to San Francisco at that point. It's the first city where um, where I moved. I was twenty years old back then, and I thought, okay, like. No problem. Moving to the US should be should be fine because before that I used to live for half a year in Asia and it was it was fine although the culture was also different. But mm-hmm. somehow this half a year experience was totally to- totally beautiful. But then when I moved to the United States, of course I didn't have documents ready and everything like no permission to work like every other immigrant um, experiences. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I. I found this emptiness. I literally, I had nothing to do, nobody to talk to. Uh, I was living in a beautiful place. Like really, everything was really, really beautiful, but I couldn't enjoy these things. Like everything became so blank for me. And I, I just, and I felt like I don't matter because my language skills were not really good and everybody around me seemed way smarter and way more talented than I am, uh, just because I I couldn't understand what they do and they couldn't understand what I do. And then I started to realize that oh my god, when all these external things were taken away, like what's left?
0: Hmm. And this, I think a lot of people. First of all, thanks for sharing that because I think a lot of people. Right now, at least, you know, we just for a timestamp, it's, it's what, April 17, 2020. So, you know, we're, we're in the middle of our uh, coronavirus uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And I think a lot of people are feeling that way right now. Uh, they're realizing they're losing their jobs and they're um, far away from their families and they're not necessarily getting to go be part of activities that they've enjoyed outside. And they're sitting there and they're asking when all these external things are gone, who am I? And And that is that is that what you relate to when you were going through that journey yourself?
1: Yes, it's totally this feeling. And of course, culture, culture means means a lot of things. And it was it was interesting for me to see what part of me is just my culture, what part of me is just my job, what part of me is just, you know, who my friends are. But when everything is taken from you, what's left? Mm-hmm. And this question drove me crazy because I couldn't understand what's left. And it seems that it was emptiness inside. Like, you know, there, there is a baby and it's, and it's crying and it has like it's, um, its little toy. And when you take away this toy, the baby is frustrated and it doesn't know like where to put attention to. Mm. Um, so this experience brought me to uh, like incredibly low self-worth. And uh, this this sense of loneliness because I couldn't acknowledge my state for myself. I thought that everything was fine. My Instagram personality was perfectly fine, and I couldn't acknowledge either to my friends or to my family because, like, they would say, "Like, Dari, it's your choice. Just just come back. Like, why are you there?" And I didn't want to do this because I, I loved my husband and I love him till this day. So I didn't want you know anybody to give me these clues. And I, I, I knew that it's my responsibility to, to take care of myself. And it's my responsibility to find ways um, and, and circumstances that would bring me to my uh, normal, enthusiastic, optimistic self. Because I knew that this is who I am. And yes the circumstances changed changed around me but I must find this resources inside myself and rebuild it again because if I was able to build it once probably I have this skill in me and you know this this path this path that I can uncover for myself to get myself out and this is this is how I uh, stumbled upon neuroscience and neuropsychology and started to learn how the brain works and why do I feel what I feel why do I experience what I experience where do thoughts come from all these hard questions start to I started to wonder and I was really glad that I had um, Stanford University uh, in, in a reachable distance from me and I started to you know just go there for open lectures and meet people and then i you know enrolled in a program and then i started this big nonprofit who, which which was bringing top scientists to give practical tips for, for normal people like you and i you know about how they can apply um, the science about how the brain works to their everyday lives and this is kind of like was the the launch platform for me to to the work that i'm doing now
0: Huh. So it, I, I love that. And here's why I think it is so normal for lack of better words. I don't really like the word normal, but it's very common for, uh, you know, people to feel these feelings, um, of, of not knowing what their worth is or not knowing what their identity is. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's hard to find answers for yourself when you don't know where to look. So how did you, how did you know to go into neuroscience in the first place? Because it seems like doing that research and learning those things is, is what helped you understand what you were feeling, right. And helped you understand um, that everything you were feeling was justified. And then of course, how to take control of it and how to, how to move things around, which we'll talk about, but how did you know that you should or that you could even look there in the first place to find those answers for yourself? Uh, tell me more. There.
1: That's a, that's a really great question. So I started to pay attention to the clues that life was giving me, and the way my mind works, the way also the way I was brought up. My mom is a functional medicine doctor, so. Uh, we were we we were this family and, and we're still others family who you know looks for a root cause and doesn't treat the treat the symptoms. So I saw my experience and my feelings as a symptom to the root cause, and ah. I started to search for this root cause because I realized that if I was if I were just to dumb the the symptoms, nothing nothing good will happen from that. They will still you know poke around and show up, yeah. and that's why um, it, it's just it's really great question and I I want to now I want to reflect and remember what was the trigger moment for me <laughs> it's like yeah. thank you thank you Shireen for, for making me for prompting me to this to this thought because now right now I even don't remember what was this uh, turning point of me being interested in, in the brain it seems what? that it was forever
0: <laughs> I well I'm happy to help <laughs> that thought but you know I think uh, I think it's it probably goes back to again how you were brought up right this obsession with figuring out the root cause because uh, that thinking that approach to thinking becomes natural over time and I think as a society we are so often focused on just fixing the symptoms that a lot of us don't even learn um, in a, at, from a young age that there's a root cause and how to even navigate to identifying that root cause. I think I told you this a while back but you know at Edvo for example um a lot of the work I've been doing has always been helping people get jobs and helping people find meaningful work. But sometimes I I talk to people and it's very clear that you know, they're looking for a job because that's what they think is the best, best next step uh, because they're unhappy with their current job. So for them, it's, well, if I'm unhappy with my current job, I must need a different job. But sometimes when we get to the root cause, we realize they it's not that they need a different job. They don't even like being an employee. They don't want to be within the employee-employer relationship where they have this one job even if they like it, at the end of the day, they're dependent on this company to pay them a salary and to pay their benefits, and you know they they're reliant, and that's actually what brings them uh, the the misery and the disengagement. It's not so much the job only, and it, it's been fascinating for me over the last few years as I've helped people in their careers how many of them, how many of us um, have just been taught you know, to go from one company to another, grow in your career, go to the companies that give you those opportunities. Yet so many people feel miserable doing that, even though they say, but I, ha- I have a good job. It pays me well. I like the work I'm doing, but I still find myself not really aligned. Um, and so it, again, it's, it's so important to go back to that root cause. And I think because you were grown up uh, or you grew up in with that mindset, it probably happened to you naturally where you started questioning, why do I feel this way? <laughs> and, and really getting into the root of how the brain functions and how our bodies function and the impact of that.
1: Yeah, you're, prob- you're probably right. And I, I so agree with you that uh, it's hard to recognize what do you truly want? Because our culture, it gives us these easy shortcuts that seem like truth. But essentially, it's not the universal truth. And although some people are completely happy with this cultural truth, and maybe it truly fits their personality and it truly fits the person they are, but it's not one-size-fits-all approach. And that's why it's so important, like, when you're feeling down, when when you, when you feel that nothing is working, come to yourself. And what I mean by that... Ask yourself this freaking question, what is that that you want? What do you want? What do you want? Not what somebody else's, not what your parents want from you, not what your job wants from you, but what do you want? And maybe it's not just about a job because our life, it's not, about, it's not just about the job. And unfortunately, I see like the, the biggest thing in the, Western, in the Western culture is that life equals job. And if job is taken away, there is no life left. Which I hope that this crisis will actually bring up to light and people will be will start to cherish things outside the job because when there is no job, you have to learn how to find life and other things.
0: yep yeah, I think I think even on the financial point, right I, I think when people it, it, I, I feel like you almost have to be privileged to even think about those things sometimes That's and true. obviously correct me. Think I'm wrong, um, but I think it's you know you've got to not have to worry about your basic needs, right? Paying the bills, putting food on the table, taking care of your kids, at least their basic needs. And and when those pressures are out of way, then yes, it's 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 thinking about all of that. But I I I've talked to so many people that even I question you know why why do you live in such an expensive house and why do you why do you have so many quote unquote burdens that you don't want who who said you needed those things? And going back to Daria, what you mentioned, it's, it's that societal definition, right? It's that societal construct of go get a job and then add a nice house to it and add a nice car to it. And so much of how our society defines success is through addition, just adding things. Uh, And we don't talk about subtracting things. We don't talk about subtracting a toxic mindset, right? Or relationships that do not inspire us to be our best self. Or frankly, even things we've learned, right, from from our childhood or even in our adulthood, just things we've learned, ways to think, our mindset that have been conditioned uh, in us because of our environment or, or how we were taught. And I think you grow up and you realize, maybe you realize, oh, wow, I think in a way that doesn't actually serve me. It harms me. It keeps opportunities away from me. I limit myself, subtracting that mindset. And we don't talk about those things as a society. We just focus on adding more and more things to help us feel successful.
1: Yeah, that's very true. I also noticed that, like, for example, um, every month I see like dozens of people who are like completing, completing the program, uh, the dream sprint. And one of the tasks is basically to figure out what it is that you truly want and what your fears are and what you don't want. That's why I have so many like generic insights on the the society, not the society. I I, I won't claim that I know the society, but on some, on, on, on a good mass of people from society, like at least like hundreds of people who are sharing these insights with me. And it's crazy because like how many, how many times the main, the main dream, the main goal is just to pay off the credit card debt that people just don't know even how they got into this credit card debt. And what is interesting that I know many of these people in real life and I would never think that they are in such a bad financial state. They live like very fancy lives and For me, this concept is just, it's out of my universe because the way, again, the culture shifts us, like in Russia, there is no thing like a credit card. It's just not, it's just not a thing. Everybody uses the debit card and the debit card is when, you know, you earn the money, you put it there and you can't spend more (laughs) because when you run out of money, you just run out of this. There is nobody lending money to you. Uh, So for me, it's, It's really, and I think this is about the culture. It's not like people want it. It's just what the culture prompts you to do because it's such an easy access to money. You can swipe your credit card here and there, but then this debt is accumulated and you don't feel like it's accumulating. So it's also interesting how the choices that that we have, basically, we don't make these choices. They're made for us unless we are conscious of them and restrain ourselves from using these easy choices.
0: Yeah. I think being conscious, being uh, conscious and being aware, also cautious (laughs) of all three things is so important. And it is really easy to get at a point in your life where you're just doing what you believe is right. But you believe it's right because you're told it's right, and it's not something you actually deeply in your core. Or even if you think about it logically, right? Uh, it doesn't actually make sense if you just take the time to think about it. So I totally agree. Uh, let's talk again. So you're. Let's go back to your story. You are. You have this realization. Wow, I've I've gotten into a life of. Uh, negativity your mindset is not enabling you anymore your mindset feels limiting and so you go in and now you're studying how the brain works and you're studying why you feel the ways that you're feeling what do you find out what do you discover
1: yes interesting (laughs) great question so first thing that I discovered is that it's so natural to feel uh, negative because Mm -hmm the way our brain evolved is that the brain which survived was the one who spot all the threats in the environment. This is ah. how basically the survival was ensured. So no wonder that you know, <laughs> giving the challenging environment, if we experience challenge and challenge is everything which is uncertain and uncertainty comes from any, any change in life. So when basically something changes in your life, Your brain doesn't know what to do and it thinks that it's uncertainty and that it's bad and starts to scan the environment for all the threats. And that's why it's really easy to focus on the negative. It's really easy to amplify and even fantasize the worst case scenarios. It would happen naturally. No effort needed. (laughs) No effort needed, like completely free for you. (laughs) Free service. (laughs) As you know yeah. with free services we have to be cautious because sometimes we we don't need them as much so the service that requires an investment it's when you are spotting the bright side and spotting the opportunities and spotting what's working and putting things into perspective but this requires first awareness that you are spotting only for bad things you know they're like i i we can categorize all people into like two buckets. Uh, the bees and the flies. You know what the bees do? The bees, even in the dumpster, they will find a flower and they will fly to th- on this flower and they will, you know, do their thing because this is what they're filtering for. They're interested only in flowers. But you know what flies do? <laughs> they are finding a brown mass... <laughs> within a field of flowers and they are aiming directly to this mess so it's always our choice do we want to be a bee or a fly
0: yeah i mean that's a very interesting way to put it i I think that's I, i definitely i definitely also have met People that align with one more than the other, right? And I think at different places in our life, and different points in our life, and different, um, diff, you know, different environments, we can also swap, right? We can see you know, One is a B all the time. But that said, I I totally agree. I think it's so important to recognize that. I tell a lot of people this right now, especially as they're, you know, maybe they've been laid off, uh, maybe they're dealing with job cuts um, a lot of them are thinking well why did I get laid off right or why did I why did I get let off laid off and someone else didn't and they're in this mindset that is just still focusing on a negative um, versus saying okay well uh, how can I still maintain the relationships at my last organization and and leverage them to add both add value to their life but also, you know, have value for myself, or maybe they can serve as connections to my next opportunity. So I think the sooner you convert to the B mindset, um, the more opportunities you will find. Because I believe life does have a way of, you know, opening doors if if you're paying attention. Um, but if you are so hyper focused on the negative, I think you'll attract even more negative. Um, and I've also personally. Uh, experience that, where if I get a negative thought process, I perceive everything around me as negative, I attract people who are negative, uh, but when I'm positive, I I attract all those opportunities and that energy as well.
1: Yes, so true, and I totally agree with your comment that we are experiencing different states, and all of us have potential to express traits of bees and traits of flies, it's just a matter of our awareness. Sometimes, you know, we have to be flies and we have to find what's not working, but we shouldn't stay in this mode forever. It serves us. It, it's no because what I also see is that sometimes when people are going this personal development round, they're like, "Oh, I have to be positive, but I have to be positive." But actually, positivity can be really toxic because when positivity is ignorance, it's just ignoring the negative thoughts and because I I actually don't like word negative I think we have just different emotions and some emotions are less pleasant than the other so when you are experiencing this less pleasant emotions you don't have to just push them away because they will come back triple force you have to process them you have to learn to recognize them and to be aware of them and to recycle them essentially because if you're not recycling your garbage it just starts to you know go bad <laughs> and we don't <laughs> want that we want to recycle our garbage all the time and that's why i actually love more uh, the term optimistic rather than positive because positive uh-huh. it's like you ignoring stuff that's negative oh no i don't see the negativity i think that the life is awesome but no there are challenges And there are things that we have to acknowledge. We can't just be, you know, ignorant people who live in their own, like, imagined world. We live in the real world. And right right now, people are suffering. Some people are dying. And it doesn't mean that we have to suffer too, but it means that we should be at least recycling our emotions around that. At least not being ignorant, just, oh, nothing is happening. And then you go, you know, and hug every person on the street. It doesn't help.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, no, I think that's very powerful. Positive versus negative is is almost the two extremes, right? And then, but more so the optimistic uh, yeah. and understanding. There's a range of emotions, emotions and you have to see things for the way they are, um, but, but stay in that optimistic mindset. So you can also see the opportunities to uh, make those things better for yourself and for those around you.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Because when you're optimistic, you are... Acknowledging how things are, but then you choose to see the bright side, but not the bright side that you just imagine, but you just find it and you focus on that, but not being ignorant to what's going bad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you, so you enroll yourself. Did you enroll yourself at Stanford or were you taking classes a different way?
1: Yes, I was. I enrolled myself in Stanford Extension. Um, it's still like it's still on-campus training with with Stanford staff, uh, but it was not like a master's degree or like PhD. Uh, it was like professional education.
0: Got it. Okay. So you're at Stanford and you're learning all of these things, right, about mindset and and where to focus ourselves and what our survival brain does and and where we need to actually put in the effort and put in the investment. So how did that? impact you? How, what are some steps you took uh, from, you know, going from already having that natural positive mindset to then entering a point in your life where you lost that and now you're rediscovering it? Tell me what you did then.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, first thing that I did uh, after I realized that I shouldn't blame myself for feeling this way, This is just how my brain reacted. And because I didn't know that it's natural, I started to blame myself. And this is coming back to the concept of uh, um, unnecessary suffering. So there is necessary suffering that just happens in our life. But when we decide to narrate this necessary suffering with, it's so bad. It will be just worse. When we just start to imagine things going worse, this is unnecessary suffering that we should learn how to process. So I processed my unnecessary suffering. I realized that I'm like the, the world is not ending. Like I'm actually pretty fine. <laughs> and I put things into perspective that like how lucky I am, how like literally blessed I am to have things that I have, relationships that I have, and I started to to show up. You know, I started to show up uh, with my whole self. I started to accept my flaws. I accepted that, okay, although my, my my English is not perfect, and I probably would never become a native speaker. Or I I not right now. I even don't have this goal at all. Right now, I think that my accent. This is what. Um, this is why I stand out. This is what's unique about me, rather than. This is what's flawed about me. So it was a lot of perspective uh, shifting work. And then I just started to boldly pursue actions. Um, I, you know, although I didn't have a work permit, I created this nonprofit. Um, it's called Brain Power Hub. And through this Brain Power Hub, I teamed up with a really established. Uh, Person. She's now a friend of mine. She works in um, UCSF in the neurological department. And we started to literally invite top minds from Berkeley and Stanford to give these big um, talks about practical application of neuroscience. And this is how I met incredible, incredible scientists. And this is how I was introduced to their research because I was literally working with them and organizing like full theaters of people for them. Um, And it was so much fun. We were able to like sell out from scratch with no audience, like 300, 500 tickets, which was a real interesting thing, um, you know, to go through. And when I started to, do actions towards the space where i i saw myself because i i didn't know how i can enter the space and this was the the best thing at that time and this is how it all started
0: that is incredible i mean that really allowed you to completely turn your life around at least life in america
1: it was a good starting point and Then I, you know, the gestalt therapy is like when you want something, but you do not kind of like allow yourself it. But when you actually go through this unallowed experience, you find out that you don't want it. (laughs) So um, this, this happened with the job because I thought like, oh my God, I want to earn six figure Silicon Valley salary, but I can't do this because, you know, there are so many people who graduated from like UCSF, Stanford and Berkeley, like San Francisco. It seems that those are the only places where people graduate from. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm like, and and uh, I back in Moscow, I, I used to be pretty good, you know, in marketing and public relations and public speaking and all of this kind of like language, heavily language related Things and I'm like, you know what? I will be employed like for a six figure salary in a hot Silicon Valley startup for a marketing position. <laughs> and I'm just, I should do this. And I've done this without any applications or any even sending the resume type of thing. And I worked in the startup for like six months and then parted my ways because my gestalt was closed. I realized that I'm. Totally worthy of these things, and I, I can get them whenever I want. Um, but it was, you know, my I, I, I had to have this experience. And since then, I'm um, on my entrepreneurial journey.
0: That is awesome. Yeah, I think it's true. It's almost like you think you can't have things. And then when you have them, you realize, oh, I never wanted this in the first place. However, I know that I can have it because I've proved myself. Yes. <laughs> interesting. Okay, so talk to us more about in your work today. In your work today, you work with, I'm sure, people from all different backgrounds at all different points in their life. What is something, even after working with so many people, what is something that still surprises you about working with them?
1: Oh, interesting. Um, actually, the nature, the nature of, of people who, who tend to come to me Extremely ambitious people, but extremely confused. <laughs> this is kind of like my um, um, my profile, the profile that I'm working for the most. Um, maybe because I'm in California and we have so many people who are like extremely talented, extremely ambitious, but struggling to find uh, their place in life or struggling to get the speed that they want and they want to figure out like, what's internally is wrong with them or what's like blocking them. And that's why they come to me to help them figure this out. And um,
0: what, what do you think leads to the confusion?
1: um, Unforeseeable change in life.
0: Hmm. Tell me more.
1: Yeah. So as, as I talked, um, as I mentioned earlier that, Change is something that is perceived as threat. Yeah, so our brain literally thinks that when we change something, it's a threat. And that's why, first of all, it's hard to change something when you want. <laughs> even if yeah. you want it so hard, it's, if, if, even if you want it so badly, it's hard. That's why people always like put off tomorrow, 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 like the starting day is tomorrow. It's never today. Uh, and this is very natural because change means pain. And it always meant pain for for our brain during the evolution process. And that's why right now we inherited this brain which perceives any psychological change as literally like a physical threat. Um, And and that's why the trigger point is when unforeseeable event comes into into life. For example, in many cases it um, it can be a breakup or it can be a marriage or it can be, um, you know, when, when business has to pivot, it's not really easy for, for people to pivot their businesses because uh, there is so much uncertainty. And then uncertainty is perceived as threat. That's why it's so easy to be stuck and to be in the research mode. <laughs> Basically, research mode, I call it sometimes a procrastination mode because how many projects I've seen uh, started this way? Like, oh, let's research this. Oh, like, let's like, and, and the project just puts off and puts off and puts off. Right. Because it's this fear of actually facing the real thing. And that's why um, I really I have a I have a mentor of mine. He is um 82 years old. He is like a the multi millionaire person who you know did everything in his life. He he saw like I think six different crises and Great Depression and all of that. And um what he Oh, my God, I think I lost the thought. I wanted to remind me what I was just, what I, where I started your mentor, my thought. 80,
0: your mentor, 82 years old, change, dealing with change.
1: Change, 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 change. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. Okay. Um, he told me that, Dari, you know, there is always a desire to not to show the world something until it's perfect. And he was mm. like, Daria, for people like us, 87% is already perfect. So don't bother doing 100, don't bother doing y- 99. When it's 87, it's good enough. You just do it. <laughs> you just show yeah. it. And I resonate with this so much because in my nature, I'm not perfectionist at all. And like proofreading an email, it literally, it, 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 it. I feel bad to do this every time. <laughs> and... Um, that's why you know this mindset of um, fearlessness and of ability to act and to act from the place of inspiration, not from the place of fear. Yeah, remember, we discussed this with you um, in our previous talk that there are two types of actions, and some people can make actions and act, but they will just act because they're running away from something. But actually, when you are going towards something, this is a totally different quality of action so this is what I noticed people need the most help with actually to uh, define what's what's the uncertainty that they face literally like walk them through what's happening with them emotionally and that this is okay and then if people know what they're going through they can anticipate their emotional states and they won't be surprised by them so they will be like okay this is fine. This is what I expected, but it's not what I want to bite. <laughs> I'm not right, buying right. this.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I love that you said it's about what you're going to versus what you're running away from, because that goes back to our earlier discussion on the optimistic mindset. I hear so many people saying, I need to get out of my toxic job or I need to uh, get out of my bad relationships, right? And all those are true, but it's also, I want to make room for a more productive, more meaningful job, or I want to make room for a more productive or meaningful relationship. I think you're saying the same thing, essentially. However, it's a completely different mindset that'll also then shape the action, uh, which is something I feel like I've had to reprogram my mind from um, over the years is going from that, I'm running away from something to bring change into my life or to make change into my life, versus I want to make room for something, I want to go towards something, and that is why this change is happening.
1: Yes, yes. And it's very true. This is this is actually one of the first uh first things in the dream sprint that we do. I, I walk people through all the formulations. Basically, the way you talk to yourself, it influences you a lot. And the way you talk to yourself, this is how you form your desires. This is how you communicate what you want, what your goals are, what you dream about. And if you're communicating the wrong destination, the destination from which you want to move away, there is no direction. So you 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 stay stuck. Because when there is no, no no destination, you just, you know, you you can run like 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 a supersonic. <laughs> But it's without without the particular purpose.
0: That is so true. I think the power of words is definitely something that is undermined um, today. I think the way you talk, the way, and what I mean by that is the words you use to communicate with yourself, to communicate with others, to communicate your thoughts is so powerful because the way you Communicate them is the way you understand them and internalize them. And by the way, that's also the way people around you internalize what you're trying to say. And it is so important to be mindful of the word. I, and so uh, an example, for example, I was talking to my I was talking to my team the other day. And I said, We've got a lot of shit to do. And I caught myself because I said, We are not doing shit. We are doing very powerful activities. We are bringing impact to this world and we take immense responsibility for that. So, why is it that this? And of course, what I said, you know, we've got a lot of shit to do. Let's make shit happen, right? These are. Things that as a society, we say this is casual language. However, the power of it, the impact of it is so small compared to we're going to bring change into this world. We're going to impact, we're going to enhance, we're going to empower. I mean, the, the power in those words and the energy it can create, not just for you internally in your mind, but also for the people you're communicating to. I think it's totally understated uh in 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 our society today
1: so true so true that's why only by learning this you already ahead had several steps <laughs> <laughs> literally just just by learning how how to how to communicate to yourself because when you do it once your brain will catch you when you are not communicating properly and and by repetition this is how the habit is formed and you know like, you will find yourself in a new habit.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, when, so I do, I, I, I coach people on public speaking and communication and I make them aware of how often they use filler words like um and like. And it's so funny because of course, for the remainder of the day, anytime they say um or like, their, their brain is correcting them and they're so hyper aware of it because it just comes from that consciousness and from that, self-awareness of how you communicate and how you feel and how you think it's it's absolutely true thank you so much for sharing all those tips the tips area
1: of course thank you so much for asking all the smart questions i love your <laughs> interview style you know i've been on many podcasts and i think yours questions are the, the smartest that i you know
0: experienced so far <laughs> well i i appreciate you saying that i think you know my It's my big intention with this is to just inspire people to think for themselves. Because what your story really showed me is, you know, whether you come from that supportive childhood or not, it's inevitable that you'll probably go through something that puts you in a mindset that doesn't serve you. And it can happen to any of us. And you, by simply asking yourself, why do I feel this way? And exploring a variety of perspectives, not just the emotional perspective, but actually getting down to how does my brain work? And what does the evolution of our brain tell us? That gave you the answers to one, make you recognize, oh, this is, I mean, this is not just a meeting. This is how I'm programmed to feel And then two, you realizing, oh, but then I also have the ability to overcome that programming or to embrace that programming and improve upon it because now I understand how it works. And that is truly my belief is once you recognize, once you think and recognize how things are working, how you are working, there's a lot of power because you then know how to navigate that. You then know how to take control of it. And unfortunately, I think today, because whether it's our education system or whether we just prioritize as a society, uh, everyone is forced to um, be taught what to know, right? And in school, we're taught, here are the subjects you need to focus on. Here's what's going to make you successful. And I think a lot of people now are realizing, wow, I did everything I was told to do and somehow. I still live paycheck to paycheck. Somehow I still don't feel aligned. Somehow I have all this money, but still don't feel any sort of happiness uh, or, or any meaning. So thank you again for sharing that story, Daria. I am so, so grateful.
1: Of course, very, very welcome.
0: And Daria, how can people find you? How can people get in touch with you? How can they learn more about your program?
1: Uh, there is a website it's called the dream sprint.com um, you can find me there you can find my instagram link there facebook link there and yeah i think this would be the main resource
0: perfect all right well thank you so much and have a great weekend
1: of course have, have a great weekend too.